Today we're talking Florida Gators baseball, softball, and wrapping up with some offensive Florida Gators that could be hitting NFL free agency in just a couple weeks, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I am Brandon Olson. Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. And I'm going to get right into it because it is officially, as of today, it is officially baseball season in Gainesville. The Florida Gators start their season today, and they're opening the season with a three-game series versus Liberty that starts tonight at 7 Eastern time. There is a game tomorrow at 4 Eastern and Sunday at noon Eastern time, and I'm excited for it. Um, I, You know, just... I don't even watch professional baseball really. Like I'm a Mets fan, but like I, I, I watch games when I go aside from that. I don't wake up, but Florida baseball, Florida softball, I actually get to watch and I actually do watch frequently. So love that. But the rotation for the weekend, will start with Hunter Barco on Friday, followed by Timmy Manning on Saturday. So I'll Hunter Barco today, Timmy Manning tomorrow and Pierce Coppola on Sunday, meaning that the Gators, I believe for the first time in Florida history are starting three different left-handed pitchers in the rotation to start the season. And that's just phenomenal. Uh, Hunter Barco is the number seven 2022 MLB draft prospect, according to baseball America, number 14, according to D one baseball. And I love him um, in two seasons of the Gators. Barco has a 12 and three record with a 352 ERA along with 120 strikeouts. But I'm very excited for Hunter Barco because I liked him last year. And if you listen to Lockdown Gators last year, you would know that I liked him last year. But I'm very excited to see him this year because he is the ace this year. He, he's He's got to be the guy with Tommy Mace, the ace, gone, which sucks. That's unfortunate. But, hey, love him. Um, it, it's Hunter Barco's time. He's probably also going to find himself being a pretty dang high draft pick in the 2022 MLB draft. Timmy Manning is coming in as a little bit of an unknown. You know, he pitched just 15 innings last year. Uh, he had a 6.6 ERA. He had 16 strikeouts in that time and a whip of 1.73. And if you don't know what whip is, uh, walks and hits per innings pitch. I don't know how much you listen to baseball. I don't know how much you watch baseball, but here we go. We're going to talk about it. Pierce Coppola is someone that uh, I'm very excited to see because he is a complete unknown and that is always exciting you guys know i'm a big draft fan so when we talk about unknowns you don't get more unknown than draft and i'm very happy with pierce capola to watch him because i've seen what i could i've looked up what i could and i found what i could and all signs point to him being a freak and i love that <laughs> oh yeah all signs point to him just being Awesome, and I can't wait. He's a six foot eight left handed pitcher that throws a fastball that tops out at 94 miles per hour. And by the way, based on his, I, I guess, measurements, uh, over the past two years, that's improved 
three miles per hour, which doesn't sound like a ton to be like, oh yeah, three miles per hour. Who cares? That's 91 to 94. It's a lot, lot harder than a 94 mile per hour fastball. So Pierce Capola is someone that I'm very excited to see him pitch. Um, I can't wait to see how he performs for Florida. You know, he's, he's a Jersey kid, so he ain't that far from me right here. But uh, yeah, 94 mile per hour fastball is awesome. That is MLB speed right there, and he's got room to improve. But like, I, I'm not big on mechanics. But when I watch him, I can tell that there's a little wonkiness to him. And if he could tighten that up, probably pick up that miles per hour a little bit more. And I mean, just as he'll get naturally stronger. So I can't wait for it. But he's also got, he pitches a slurve, which is awesome. Um, Favorite pitch in MLB The Show to throw. (laughs) And a changeup, which I haven't been able to find a a speed on the changeup. But I mean, if if he's dropping that thing into... 70s with a 94 mile per hour fastball he'll be dangerous to to just try to hit against he's going to be freaky so i'm very excited for the rotation early on for position players um if you listened to locked on gators last year you know that i I, i'll say my favorite player from the team is gone or definitely my favorite position player from the team is no longer a florida gator because Nathan Hickey is gone. Uh, he he will be missed. I know that I miss him already. I was a big fan of his last year. And, I mean, I, I'm glad that he's going to be playing for the Boston Red Sox. If baseball ever comes back, you know, yesterday the uh, meetings took 15 minutes before they ended them. So that was really – I'm sure that was super productive. And Nathan Hickey, he left after signing a $1 million signing bonus, which is – $590,000 higher than his um, than his slot value, which is awesome for him. The Red Sox did also draft another Florida Gator um, in Judd Fabian, but he reportedly asked for $3 million as a signing bonus, and the Red Sox did not want to give him that. So he was like, okay, then I'm going to skedaddle on back to Gainesville. And I know that we spoke about this kind of frequently last year. The reason that Judd Fabian asked for such a high signing bonus was because he did want to play with his brother, Derek, who is in Gainesville right now. They will play together as of today. But he did want to play with Derek, and he was like, look, if I can – he was pretty much just like, if I can get the bag, then I'll get the bag, and I won't come to Gainesville. But if I don't get the bag, then I want to play with my brother. Because, uh, again, this is possibly his last opportunity to do so. We don't know how either of them will work out as pros. We don't know how much control they'll have, especially with the new CBA being up in the air and it's – I mean, minors don't even get me started on how screwed over minor league baseball players are. But with Judd Fabian, he's back. His brother, Derek Fabian, is here as a freshman. Both will likely be in the opening day starting lineup. I'm recording this on Thursday evening, uh, and no lineup has been brought out yet, so we don't know who will definitely start. But I'm I'm assuming that Judd Fabian and Derek Fabian will both be in the lineup. Uh I'm assuming Judd is going to be at center field, and Derek's going to be at third base. Aside from Derek, though, Pretty much every position player that's going to play significant time uh, was here, or that we'll see like an opening day and probably the opening two or three days. Uh, they were here last year, so that there's not a ton of question marks, which is fun. Though I will say that there are guys like Kendrick Kelly Lau and Matt Gusset and Wyatt Langford, where it's like I, I'm curious to see how they will perform in these. Uh, more expanded and more consistent roles for the 2022 squad. Uh, just because, you know, we saw them last year and like Kendrick had a bat over, I believe he was a 301 batting average last year. And I think like, that's great, but can you sustain that while playing 
pretty much every game and being a very consistent player. And Mac, you know, he played well last year, but he, I mean, Nathan Icke started most of the games at a, at catcher, he played a little bit of first, a little bit of third, but for the most part, it was Nathan Hickey at catcher and not Max. So we'll see. And Wyatt Langford is another player who did perform well while he played, but he didn't play a ton. I believe Wyatt Langford had a 250 batting average last year. So we'll see. But I mean, it's, it's Florida Gators baseball, so it's time to be excited. Anybody else make money this past weekend or this week? Because I know I didn't. Um, Saturday went on a little bit of a heater. Sunday ruined Super Bowl ruined my life. Um, <laughs> And every day this week has not been great. Not great, Bob. Not great. Obviously, Florida has not contributed to helping me much at all. But say lovey, betonline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can get and you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device, which is, you guys know, always how I bet, to get started. I mean, it's it's really just amazing. BetOnline.net, it's where the game starts. And it's- Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're doing some exclusive YouTube stuff there, so it's going to be really fun. We're going to get into it, but first right now, softball time. So the Florida Gators, if you don't know, are amazing at softball. I got I don't know how much you follow it, but they're amazing at softball. And I think I like softball more than I like baseball. And I do like baseball a lot, but I think I like softball more than I like baseball. And the Florida Gators are 6-0 and to start the season after, I don't even want to say effectively dominating, but after absolutely dominating the UCF tournament, uh, the USF tournament, where the Gators outscored their opponents with a 45 run run differential they outscored their opponents 47 to 2 through the first five games of the year just absolute dominance and it's amazing because i mean that right now the gators are headed into the t-mobile tournament which starts tonight and will carry into four games through three days because tonight duke at 6 p.m villanova tomorrow at 11 30 a.m Louisville tomorrow at 2 p.m. and FAMU, Florida A&M University, Sunday at 2 p.m. all Eastern time, of course. Tonight's game versus Duke, though, is one that I am so excited to see. Like, like this is going to be a fun game. And if you can watch it, watch it. Because I promise you, it, it won't let you down. It's going to be a great game. Duke is 4-1 to start the year, so Florida's got the one win or one game advantage, I guess, would be the term there. Um, Duke is 4-1 to start the year. Their only loss, though, was an 8-7 to loss against number 21 Arizona State, which, by the way, they are going through it right now in Tempe, right? Ooh, sheesh, Jaden Daniels stuff going on. Um, but Duke has their one loss. It was an 8-7 to loss to number 21 Arizona State. And you can't even be like, oh, the one time they played a ranked team, they lost because... Duke beat number five, Oklahoma State. And not only did they beat Oklahoma State, number five, Oklahoma State, they shut them out. They won four nothing. That being said, though, I'm taking the Gators. Like, first of all, we are way too, way too early in the season for me to give up any hope on the Gators. And also, they are just uh, undefeated right now. They are, they are freaks of nature right now. 
I, I think my favorite part of the team though right now is that it's not like like it's not an individual going off. It's the entire pitching staff is annihilating everything in sight. Like, like just killing everything in sight. The team ERA is 0.18. That is insane because they've allowed two runs thus far. But only one of them was earned, so their ERA is 0.18. Even if they allowed the other one, it'd be 0.36. And really, that is just as absurd. Um, but no, it, it's going to be a wild battle, I think, because you look at Florida and you look at Duke right now, and Duke averages over eight runs per game, which which is great. Like they're putting up a ton of runs, so is Florida putting up a ton of runs as well. But Florida's pitching staff has been lights freaking out to this point. Duke has an ERA of 2.19, which which is good. Like that's a great ERA to have. But Florida's just I don't even I don't even know what the term could be to um to to really explain just how freaky the Florida Gators pitching staff has been to this point. Like like it it's just insane, but if Florida can pick up a couple of runs and their pitching staff can just do their thing, really. I think it's a great matchup for Florida. You know, I think both teams are capable of kind of putting points up on, or putting runs up on the board. But I, I think that when you look at Florida, you go, well, there's not a weak spot on this team. I'm not saying there's a weak spot in Duke, but there isn't a weak spot for Florida right now. Like, just to start the year, there's – at they're they're clicking on all cylinders which i guess would be the the proper term to use there where they are just dominating right now and uh you know a lot can be said for how talent matches up but if you've never played like a team sport if you're ever on a team where things are clicking for everyone as a unit it's it's an unreal feeling like confidence wise momentum wise it is unreal and that that's what florida is going through right now to start the year um i think that they're pretty pissed that last year ended the way it ended for for them and uh i i think that they're coming back with a vengeance right here and there's there's no type of hangover there's nothing there's just dubs 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 like on, on the offensive side of the team um there's just so many gators contributing in so many different ways too i think that's the thing where it's like well, even if one player slows down, that's not going to kill the team. Like, even if one or two players slows down, that's not going to kill the team because everybody is clicking right now. So there's so much, there's so many players that can pick up the slack right now. Like, you got um, Cheyenne Lindsay and Reagan Walker both have eight eight RBIs at this point. They both they're tied for the team lead with eight RBIs each. Uh, Emily Wilkie and Hannah Adams. They're drawing walks incessantly, working the count like freaks. And I mean, that's big. I'm a big work the count person where it's like, hey, if you could tire out the opposing pitcher, get them while they're weak and then force them to change pitchers and then work the count again. And so I'm big on that. So Emily Wilkie and Hannah Adams are doing great things there for for, for my brand. And they're getting on base with these by just getting walked like consistently is the impressive thing uh Kendra Falby and Skylar Wallace now these two ladies are um what would what would be the good aggressive there we go they are 
aggressive. Like you ever played MLB the show and it's like, oh, like base running aggressiveness, Kendra Falby, <laughs> Skylar Wallace, 99. Like they're just they're they're just so aggressively attacking the base paths. They're combining for 11 steals on 11 steal attempts. And I mean, it, it's just so aggressive that I love it. it. It's just like, we're like, we're just going to punch you in the mouth, punch you in the mouth, punch you in the mouth. And they're also like batting just phenomenally. Uh, Kendra's batting 529 to start the year and Skyler's batting 389 to start the year so far. So just both sides, this team is just playing ridiculously. Um, I think that, you know, I think that this is, this this is a softball World Series team right here. Like like this is a championship team that we're looking at, and I am so excited to be along for the ride. It's the new year, so that means it's New Year's resolution time. If yours is about getting fit, eating healthier, doing whatever, just make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. I'm really bad at keeping mine. We all know this. I got a sweet tooth. I do this bad thing. I do this bad. My neighbor is a baker and brings me like brownies and cookies all the time and they're the worst for that and they know it but i love them <laughs> every year my weakness is the sweet tooth but with built bar that's not really that much of an issue anymore you know it's already coated in 100 chocolate it tastes delicious most bars have 130 calories ish and just four net carbs along with 17 grams of protein in a lot of them so throw out the hidden stashes the, the Reese's in the desk drawer, the, the Kit Kat in the cupboard. Just get Built Bar so you don't have to sneak around. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors so that you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. To wrap up today's show, we are talking about some Florida Gators offensive players that could be hitting NFL free agency soon. If you missed yesterday's episode, we talked about defensive Florida Gators that could be hitting NFL free agency. Joe Hayden, Dante Fowler Jr., who got released, so we'll be facing, so we'll be hitting free agency. All that fun stuff. Not going to spoil the rest, but we're going to look at offensive players, which um, not as many. <laughs> like yesterday, I had to pick and choose which defensive players. Today, I got to talk about all four offensive players, unless you want to count the other two that were Florida Gators transfers in Cam Newton and Jacoby Brissett, but I'm not for this purpose. I will go very in-depth on free agency as time comes up, and I'll talk about them. But for today, we got four of the 17 impending free agents that were Florida Gators, and all four of these are offensive. They are the only four offensive Gators. And first up is Trent Brown, you know, because Trent Brown at one point was the highest paid tackle in the NFL after his first stint with the Patriots, he went to the Raiders, and then now he's back on the Patriots, and his contract is expiring. He has struggled with consistency in recent years. He struggled with his weight dating back to his college days. He struggled with injuries to start this season, and like he's someone who's a very interesting case because throughout his career, he's gone from you look at the end of his first stint with the Patriots, absolutely dominant. You look at the beginning of his stint with the Raiders, dominant. You look at the towards the end of his stint with the Raiders, and he, he was coming down. And then this year, I think he was below average. He's someone who, as for as big as he is, 
isn't as much of a mauler or a mover in the run game. Like he's listed as 6'6", 380 pounds. And he's someone who's not a big mover in the run game as much as you'd like for him to be. But part of that, you know, could just be he's too big to really get moving and get the jump on guys. But I mean, it's all going to play a part in him. And I, I don't think he gets a big contract again this year. I think a lot of teams are going to be like, well, guess what? You got a big contract once and it didn't really work out, did it? So Trent Brown not looking super great for him. The next guy is Demarcus Robinson, who he was a Kansas City Chiefs receiver for his career. Uh, he was less involved in the offense this year than ever before, even though he played pretty much the same number of snaps. So you could attribute that to a few things, you know, more design touches for Miko Harden, Travis Kelsey just going full beast mode, Tyreek Hill, everybody. The other the running backs getting involved, like Jet McKinnon coming out of nowhere. But there were certain times where this offense kind of relied on Demarcus Robinson. You look at uh, week 18, you look at the wild card round. He he was heavily targeted in this offense. He was heavily relied upon. And you look at the, was it the Steelers game in week 18, where he had a big catch and a big run. And I think it was his longest catch of the year where he's proven he can make plays. But the Chiefs offense is so much of uh, off schedule stuff or designed touches so i mean it's hard to just be a receiver in that offense if your name's not tyree kill travis kelsey or miko hardman he did clean up his drops this year demarcus robinson he's become a player that i think is focused that has become more focused on just being like like a do your job kind of guy where you know if he's asked to run block or pass block which he did do this year he can do that like like do it well if you're asked to be a focal point of the offense for a drive or whatever do it well. And I, I think a team somewhere will look at Demarcus Robinson, look at his body of work in the NFL and say, look, he'll never be a wide receiver one, but he could be a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four in our offense and contribute more where it's less design touches and more about if you're good enough, you'll just get the, t- like you'll just get open and they'll find you where again, with the chiefs, a lot of it is, you know, we're going to take a deep shot here. We're going to do, a jet touch pass here. We're going to run a shovel option here. That counts as a pass. We're going to do whatever. We're going to get the ball to Travis Kelsey here. So much of it is just like, we're doing this now do it. And I think DeMarcus Robinson would thrive in an offense where it's just a quarterback is going to make his reads and try to hit the open man. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes doesn't, but this offense allows a lot less freedom with things like that. I think. Uh, and then next up is Fred Johnson, who, I mean, I know that a lot of people are like, okay, who cares? Fred Johnson, NFL career is not done for him. I know he didn't play much this year, but this season he did play both tackle spots um, and he played right guard a bit. And when he did play, he wasn't awful. He wasn't super great, but he wasn't awful. And I think NFL teams are going to look at him and say, look, at the very worst, we know he's a proven swing tackle. That could be a backup. You know, he could be our sixth or seventh lineman and he and he could be used. So he'll have a job at the end of the day. And I'm wrapping up with one of my favorite Gators offensive linemen of all time. Three offensive linemen on this list. I didn't even realize that until just now. But Max Garcia, who is, I, I know for a lot of people, that's like, wow, I haven't heard that name in years. Um, but he's another Gators offensive lineman that'll still be in the NFL next year and probably for the next couple of years because I think he'll get a multi-year contract. Uh, he put 864 snaps for the Cardinals this year. And I mean, he played both center and guard. And while there were games where he did really struggle, i.e. Aaron Donald feasted 
the second and third times that he played against Max Garcia. Uh, first one, you know, was Max Garcia's. I, I'll say his performance, given the talent he was facing, the first game against the Rams this year was probably Max Garcia's best game, maybe of his career. Um, but for most of the season, Max Garcia was relatively consistent and reliable. And while I'm not like, I'm not sure that he'll be a starter. I'm not sure if I'd be, if I'd be comfortable with him being a starter next year. Uh, I think he's earned a spot in the league for a couple of years. Like I think he's going to get a two or three year deal. And even if he's a backup, it's not going to be a big money deal. So he's still going to be a bit of a bargain there. Uh, but Max FC has extended his career just given his success this year. And I mean, if, if it's with the Cardinals, that wouldn't surprise me, especially because he's been working in their air raid offense, where if another team wants to go more pass heavy, Max Garcia could find a role there also. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back Monday to talk more about our Florida Gators baseball, softball, basketball, women's basketball, football. It's going to be a lot. Like right now is the period where everything is happening at once. And so it's going to be really fun and awesome. I can't wait for it. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all Monday.